Heights and Minds Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Daniel and there's guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tights and Minds Podcast. Tights and We stay cast. You know it, pod. Whoa, wrestling podcast. Give me all your thoughts on wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with their... Are you okay? I'm laughing so hard, I'm coughing. This is the show. It's okay. We discuss wrestling with all the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Helen Asel Loveland, okay? Wow. And I'm joined in the wow. booth by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, Mrs. Lie, Tweet and Steal herself, Danielle Radford. Hi. And the trillion dollar man himself, Mike Eagle. At your service. Coming up on this week's show, To Hell and Back Again, Repairing the Broken Shield, 205 Live to Hard Drive, and a lot more. But first, let's take a look at Hell in a Cell. The most recent Raw-specific pay-per-view happened on Sunday and was much better received online than the previous one. We're talking about the women's title match later on in the show, but to start off with general thoughts, I thought the show was okay. I told you guys, I told you, Roman Reigns and Rusev was going to jerk the curtain. And I thought, look, three Hell in a Cell matches, too many, too many matches of the same kind. I do think, I did like the Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins one more than I thought I would because that whole program has sort of felt forced on me as a fan. But the story they told was was good enough that that I was into it. I I, I was on board. The tag match was okay. Um, I like seeing Cesaro and Sheamus together. But now, like, where do they go? I, like, it's just it felt like a lot of stuff that either paid off too early, paid off too late, or didn't pay off at all. So Danielle, do you think that the Hell in the Cell matches varied enough to warrant there being three of them? Ugh, it is fine. <laughs> <laughs> good enough for me. Good enough. It's good enough. It was fine. It was, you know. Um, I obviously loved the last match. Every other, you know, those kids sure do try. I mean, I don't know what else. Like, I will say every match was better than I thought it was going to be. So that's something. It becomes obvious as you're watching the three matches what things they weren't doing because they knew someone else was. It was like they, they mm. met up and was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we're going to do the this thing, and then Sash is going to break the table with her tiny body, and then we're going to do the this thing. They're like, okay, well, then I'm just going to throw some steps at his face. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, you could tell. <laughs> <laughs> was that the, wasn't, one of them had a pre-match promo where somebody was like, I don't even remember why we're feuding. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but I was watching it going, motherfucker, why would you do that? You are doing, what is the opposite of selling a match? Yeah. Mike, yeah. before we look at Raw, Seth Rollins had a pretty great showing before Chris Jericho screwed him out of the universal title. Uh, I mean, I want a, a few thoughts from you overall on the show, but specifically, do you think they've done a solid enough job of getting Rollins over as the main baby face on Raw? No, I, I really still don't think they have. I do yeah. still think that there needed to be some uh, everybody get behind him rah-rah moment that they don't seem to have genuinely manufactured yet. Uh, I also think another part of the problem is that 
Chris Jericho is such a, a baby face right now. He's such a huge uh, <laughs> yeah. fan favorite because everything he does at this moment is so brilliant that I think that messes with the dynamic a little bit too. And then also the other thing, and this is, I think, really a linchpin of, of a lot of what's going on in the main event on Raw right now, is that there's a huge uh, missing baby face who we feel the presence of but never quite see, uh, Triple H, <laughs> we haven't heard from <laughs> since he made Kevin Owens the champion and then disappeared. I feel like that that is the person who people would cheer for most given the, the proper given the current circumstances, but we just never get the opportunity to. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I, I mean, let's stick with Rollins for a second because the crowd on Raw uh, this past Monday night seemed to have really taken uh, a liking to the guy throughout the show. So in the main event match between Jericho and Roman Reigns for the U.S. title, Seth Rollins came out to a pretty solid pop and a We Want Rollins chant. Let's listen to it. Now, look, to a certain extent, I feel like if you hit anybody's music in the main event and they run down, people will cheer. <laughs> you know, it's the Gobbledy Gooker. We like him now. Here he comes. He, he and Mean Gene are dosy doing their way down to the ring right now. Um, but at, I'd be so into that. <laughs> it would be great. But at the end of the run-in, we had him and, and Roman Reigns standing in the middle of the ring. And the two of them were part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. faction, along with Dean Ambrose a few years ago, for the group broke up, by which I mean Seth Rollins turned on the two guys and hit them with chairs and joined with the authority. Uh, but that crowd definitely sounded like they were ready for a reunion. And th there have been a lot uh, of rumors and articles in the internet wrestling community that they're planning a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion and they're going to wait. And, and they keep uh, the, the time I heard was early 2017. So it looks like that's about to happen. Danielle, do you think the time is right for the Shield to get back together, even if it's just two of them? Yes. Okay. Um, I think that that's going to be that's the move to make Seth Rollins the babyface. Like that's the move. It makes Seth the babyface. It makes people stop booing Roman out of the building, because I do think if he's if he's back with the Shield, we're gonna and he's like just being Roman in the Shield, and he stops trying to be his cousin and stops trying to be funny, like or or at least limits it kind of. Right. Like, we will tepidly go back to being, like, good with it. Because at the end, man, people were so pumped with those S.H.I.E.L.D. chants. And now everyone's like, oh, well, what's going to happen at Survivor Series? We know they're going to hit some S.H.I.E.L.D. spots. And, you know, Dean's also kind of like, I don't know what's happening with him over on SmackDown. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing right now. Um, and so he'll be on SmackDown, obviously, and I don't see him moving over. But... Yeah, even if it's just those two and it's just the she, you know, just the shield, I, I think that that's, that would be the thing that would get people, it would, it would really, like, cement Rollins as a baby face, and it would get people to um, leave Roman alone. Right, but hold on. Ambrose is super over. Yeah. He's, he's part of, the, of right now, the hottest know. angle on, on SmackDown, now yeah. that, that Miz and Ziggler have cooled down a little bit. Yeah. And he's working with uh, the, all the James Ellsworth stuff this week was so great. So, like, let's not yeah. pretend like he's lost in a junkyard or he's something. He's not lost in a junkyard, but it's just like, what's, what do they do after that? What hmm. do they, what is next? Well, that's always the question. That's, that's yeah. the creative thing. They have to have something for him to do. So, I mean, we'll see what it is. But, but Mike, let me ask you. Would you rather see the Shield back together for just a quick one-off? Or should there be something more substantial in place? Like, what, what gets you invested? 
Well, I do agree that there there certainly was a time recently where Dean had uh, had taken a big fall. I felt like around the time he did that Stone Cold podcast, and uh, he just didn't come off looking like uh, I don't know. He came off weird to me. I don't know if he came off weird to anybody else. <laughs> he always does. But, uh, yeah. Um, but I do feel like lately on SmackDown, he's had this opportunity to let his personality grow to where um, where it would need to be to kind of be able to hold down that main event level. I feel like he's, you know, he's definitely working up to his spot on the, on the card right now. And I like what they're doing with him. I like where it's going as compared to how I felt about him right when the brand split happened. Um, now, in terms of Roman and Rollins, I think before... They link everything back together. They should definitely have the the Roman and Rollins outright feud first. I feel like when they do eventually bring the shield back together, it'll be stronger if they have gone through that already. And I think what that what that very feud could do was solidify Roman as a heel if they were actually let him do that, and Rollins as a babyface. So both of those characters could get stronger uh, outside, you know, after that process. But I think after that, after everyone is as strong as they can be. And they've all had views with each other. Then, then you can bring them all together for the strongest possible outcome going forward. All right. I do definitely prefer the idea of Roman as a heel than the Shield getting back together. Yeah, I like them together as a as a heel tandem more than I do. Mm. Like they can be aligned together. Have Rollins pull Reigns back over because they're playing him as a tweener. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, somebody commit. The heel face <laughs> comes back to what Mike keeps saying. The heel somebody face dynamic commit. is off. <laughs> The dynamic is off. All right, let's move on to some late-breaking news from earlier Wednesday morning. (laughs) That's right. The WWE Cruiserweight division is getting its own show. It's called 205 Live and will broadcast Tuesday nights on the WWE Network starting November 29th. Now, goddammit, hold on. I read the (laughs) announcement about this, the same we all did. Danielle broke the news to to me and and probably to you, Mike, and probably to you as well, Julian. Maybe you guys not. are breaking. Julian you guys are breaking asleep. it to me right now. <laughs> oh, were oh. you were you not on that email chain? <laughs> <laughs> I took I take one day off the IWC and then everything happens. That's right. Breaking news, everybody. Mike is not on the email chain. <laughs> anyway, uh, for those of you who don't know, the Cruiserweights are getting their own hour-long show. Two hundred five, of course, referring to two hundred five pounds being the uh, the weight at which a cruiserweight must come under to compete. So we're finally, for those of you who've been looking for character development, who have been looking for stakes and story, you're going to get it on the WWE Network. However, I did say JD. I heard what I said. I'm going to tell you why. Because they're they're messing with my schedule. <laughs> I, at first, I was like, talking smack, who wants to watch that? And then Mike kept putting stuff over from it over and over and over again. <laughs> Arguably, the most uh, important storyline development of 2016 happened on Talking Smack when The Miz cut his promo against Daniel Bryan. True story. He changed the business, folks. He changed the business. Yeah. So Raw's like, we're getting our own dumb show. I <laughs> uh, hope you like. I hope you you like more Jerry the King Lawler talking because oh, apparently man. it's 1997 again. Oh, that was so. Oh, it and, hurts. Oh, it hurts. And now, so now, what happens to Talking Smack? Now you, you watch two hours. Like, no, don't worry. Now, now SmackDown is two hours, and they have the cruiserweights, which are supposed to be only on Raw, but they still say in the damn press release they're exclusive to Raw. But now they're on the the WWE Network. At, oh, wait, what is it, Julia? It'll be on at uh, t- 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 the, right after 
205 Live. That's it'll come on right after 205 okay. Live comes on. So now here's what happens. Oh, yeah. I so just now got... you watch SmackDown, you know then what? you watch 205 Live, yeah. and then you watch Talking Smack. Yeah. I guess it lets everybody shower for a second <laughs> and like write some shit. You know <laughs> what? You can go in the back, scrub them pits before you get all yeah. up in Renee's face. <laughs> Break, breaking news though, I'm still pissed off. Here's the reason why it, I I want to watch Talking Smack. Here's what I'd like. Give me the half hour of Talking Smack afterwards because it's great. It, you just come off the show. They talk about the implications of everything. And then then show me an hour of Cruiserweights. Or put the Cruiserweights on Wednesday night coupled with NXT so great. you can build audience then. And then they will build a fan base that they can take with them to Raw. We've seen it happen over and over again. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, Benzo and Big Cass. Those people were all born and bred on the WWE Network and then made their way to the main <laughs> roster. Anyway, I'm sorry, I've completely taken over this section. Danielle, let me ask you a question. Do you think <laughs> this could alleviate some of the problems that the cruisers have had since they were introduced to Raw? Oh, for sure. Um, I think what's gonna wind up happening is that now we don't have to worry about cramming, because for some reason on a three-hour show, we still have to find ways to get people to wrestle. I'm like, oh, where are we going to put this wrestling? <laughs> on our three-hour show, you want to you wanna, you wanna put it before the two dudes argue in the office, or do you want to put it after the two dudes argue in the parking lot, or like whatever? <laughs> so what they, I think what they do is, is it just becomes the big stuff, like whoever's in title contention is going to be on Raw, I don't know if they're still going to be on NXT because those guys have been doing a lot of stuff on NXT too. Yeah. So I'm assuming now they're going to pull them off of NXT would be my assumption and then have them have their own thing. I think, yeah, that way you get character development. You get other dudes getting a chance to get there and then they kind of work there before they go up to the main roster and we get to see everybody. And hopefully um, that alleviates it so that I would, what I would personally like is for us to have three women's matches on Raw. Um, but what that probably means will happen is that we'll just get more dudes dressed like fucking, you know, dudes who sell chicken or whatever. <laughs> what? It'll just be more... It'll just be more like, oh, the Colonel Sanders is going to fight some asshole or whatever. Uh, the man's in a chicken <laughs> suit. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, do you really like twisted tea? <laughs> like it'll just be more. I'll tell you, I really, I really like the idea of going to get lunch at some asshole's chicken. Though I think that's a great <laughs> franchise. I think you should start it. I will invest. I will buy a some asshole's chicken franchise. <laughs> you can get some of those. Look at this guy over here, French fries. They go with it. This fucking dude. <laughs> Which uh, it actually tastes exactly like a frosty. So. <laughs> Mike, do you do you think that that we're gonna see anything radically different from uh, you know something like NXT out of this show? Well, what are your expectations? Okay, well, remember, I'm learning about all this right now. Let me walk you yeah. through my stages of okay, confusion give me a hot so take. far. These are my stages of confusion with hearing this news right now. First of all, <laughs> you said. You said 205 Live, and in my brain I was like, is this a show about Seattle? Like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but then I had to remember the wait. Okay, so I got that. And then, so they're going to do it on Tuesday nights. But I'm like, SmackDown's already on Tuesday night. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, but then you said, they're also still on Raw. And now I don't understand any of this. I don't understand any of it at all. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand anybody. I'm just either. completely lost now. 
Well, they're going to, what they're, and then, um, so on Tuesdays, you're going to watch SmackDown, then you're going to watch 205 Live, then you're going to watch Talking Smack, and then hopefully you're going to continue to watch for Camp WWE. Now, let, let me, let, let me, Daniel, let me explain something to you right now so you know. Me <laughs> uh, if I could, I would watch Talking Smack before I watch SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if that were if that, that were at all possible, I would definitely watch that and that primarily. <laughs> well, let's pretend like we've just watched Smock Smackdown. I can't say, let's do watch Smackdown. Do you like my Smackdown? I'll smack it down on you. Let's talk a little bit about it. Let's pretend like we've already watched Talking Smack and we'll talk a little Smackdown. Uh, <laughs> let's look at some championship developments. Dolph Ziggler has announced the Intercontinental Championship Open Challenge, where he'll take on a random superstar as the next competitor for his title. This, of course, is reminiscent of John Cena's U.S. title Open Challenge. And uh, this so that he used at the time to differentiate it from the world title and also help get it over. Are you a fan of that concept? I think that it's different when it's John Cena, who is the invincible John Cena, and losing ass Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> like, like, is he just going to be fighting dudes who have already beaten him in various ways over the years? Didn't you think? <laughs> did you think? Was there a part just, of you? It's going to be the open challenge, and he just gets up, and then someone comes in and just kicks his ass and takes the belt. And it's like, yeah, that feels right. Yeah, I thought Kurt Hawkins. I like really watching it. Maybe that's what's good about it. I was watching. It, I was like, oh, there's a like a thirty or forty percent chance Kurt Hawkins walks out of here with the IC title. Right. And then we're really in the attitude. <laughs> where nothing matters. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the open challenge that Cena did, uh, it was filled with 10 to 20 minute matches that really made it feel like retaining the championship was work, hard work. Ziggler, as I mentioned before, started off uh, his call by just beating Kurt Hawkins with a super kick in 10 seconds. Mike, do you think that was the right way to set the tone for this new iteration of the practice? Ugh. I don't like it. I wish they would do a, a, something different. Uh, I think we still have the John Cena open invitational and the level that that set and the careers that that started very fresh in our minds. And uh, I think it'd be great if they came with another idea. Um, also, I thought that was a weird way to introduce Kurt Hawkins that I've noticed this trend over the last year or so of like WWE spending a lot of money and attention on video packages for people <laughs> who are strictly mid-card. I, I just do not understand this. Like, the Shining Stars, we had months worth of promos, and they lost immediately. <laughs> like, yeah. even, even yeah. with uh, the Golden Truth, we followed that story for months. And and we're we're rewarded with a tag team that is, that loses all the time. And um, this is this is new territory for WWE, and I, I don't I don't know what the deal is here because I feel oh, like if you're showing me video packages, I'm supposed to be paying attention because something special's <laughs> happening. Brizan goes on uh, SmackDown, right? Yeah. Any reason? Yes. I guess they're all heel teams, and that's why we had the uh, the headbangers <laughs> wrestling. I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> I can't wait for Too Cool to come back. Um, oh. Uh, oh, real quick. At the end of that segment, Ziggler issued an open challenge at Survivor Series to any member of the Raw roster to to come and challenge him for the Intercontinental the Intercontinental title. So the the ultimate version of the open challenge. I just want a quick uh, prediction from each of you. Just a name. Who do you think it's going to be, Mike? You said somebody from Raw. Is that what he said? Because I haven't watched all yeah. SmackDown yet. Somebody from Raw. That's um, what he's doing at the pay per view because he's not on the team. Wow. 
Uh, I would. I think it would have to, uh, Rusev. That was exactly Rusev. who I was going to say. All right. Uh, guys, I think you're both wrong. Did you notice what color The Miz was wearing and what color Maurice was wearing? It's red. He's going to defect to Raw and challenge for the title. I'm calling it right now. You're looking at me oh. like I'm crazy. I don't know. I just heard about, I just realized about Talking Smack going down. I'm very upset also. <laughs> <laughs> We're processing a lot of information yeah. today. You guys. I, don't, yeah. I don't know what stage of grief I'm in. Well, as always, head over to the Facebook group to keep the conversation going. If you want to talk about wrestling news, you can do that. But if you want to see some of our listeners dressed as wrestlers for Halloween, you can do that, too. And I'll tell you where to go. Facebook.com slash groups slash tights fights. When we come back, WWE had a women's title match main event at pay-per-view for the first time ever. So, of course, that match is going to be our main event as well. That's coming up on Tights and Fights. I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host the weekly comedy podcast, One Bad Mother. We celebrate our moments of parenting genius. As well as our failures. Just like, we're going to have hot dogs. And I'm like, no, we're having fun. Everybody loves hot dogs. And he just like smashes that thing right on my chest. And then I'm just Uh, crying in the middle of like kid space while people are like literally dancing with their children. Parenting can be sad and painfully funny at the same time. So join us each week as we admit that this is hard, but we're getting really good at it. Find us at Max MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. Joining me in the booth to talk about all things wrestling is... Danielle Radford. Every week, we like to focus on a specific area in wrestling that warrants a longer conversation than the rest of the news. This is our main event. Now, for the first time ever, a women's title match concluded a WWE pay-per-view. Charlotte and Sasha Banks were the true main event of Hell in a Cell and put on a hell of a show to close out the night. So let's hear a little bit of that pre-match promo where they recounted some of the major events with women in WWE leading up to this moment. You are without a doubt the most determined woman I have ever met. That's the way it has to be. I was raised that way. Any woman can get what she wants. All she has to do is try hard. And believe in herself. While a lot of people have loved the match and given the women their due for the event, there's been a vocal group of people saying this match didn't live up to what it could have been. Now, for a closer look, we are joined by Mira Waters from Fight Booth, the website that covers wrestling and combat sports. She's the author of a recent article on this match titled, Sexism in WWE is Over, What a Relief. Mira, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you guys. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you. Now, uh, one of the people's complaints with the match was the opening, where Charlotte jumped Sasha Banks as the cell was descending and put her through a table. And they kind of teased that Sasha would be unable to compete before she came up off the stretcher and the match got started. Now, Mira, in your recent article discussing the match, you said you were scared that this wasn't a work. Why is that? Um, you know, it, uh, I thought it, it might be... A work, but I thought it might be a work for the WWE to get away from actually having to put women in the cell, for them to be able to get points for technicality. They did give us the match, but to actually not put the women in there. And that's because, you know, two years ago, the Bellas wanted to be in the cell at Hell in a Cell, and Vince McMahon told them no. 
because he didn't think women should be in a cell. And I think with a lot of the Divas Revolution, while we have seen steps forward in the right places, a lot of the storylines have still been rooted in sort of age-old misogyny that we've always seen in wrestling. See, that that's interesting to me, just because as I watched it, I guess I didn't, I, that wasn't <laughs> a thought I had. And as a, as a white dude, I've had it pretty easy in life, so I don't think about in, inherent misogyny. I just look at it and go, oh, that's a great way to get them outside of the cell rather than the normal, somebody throws the stairs, the stairs break the cell, or somebody comes in and cuts the chain. So I, I, I like that, and... and I, like I, I was just sort of invested in the drama of the match, so it, it's always interesting and eye-opening for me uh, to hear <laughs> the, the perspective of somebody who's probably more invested in it than I am that way. Yeah, it sort of felt the way, I don't know, like, you know, the way sort of like election night feels when you're like watching the, the points come in and everything. And it sort of yeah. felt like that for me because it was me realizing that we were on the cusp of having a moment. But I didn't really believe that they were going to be in the match until the cell started lowering around them. And then, you know, Charlotte pushed her under the thing, which which I love. I love that Charlotte Flair is so evil. She was going to just watch Sasha be crushed to death by a cage. But then it just kept <laughs> going on for so long. And they put her on that stretcher. And the only thing I could think about was just how many times we've gone, oh, this is a women's match. Just kidding. Or this is a women's match, but it's about bras and panties. This is more women's screen time, but it's about hating each other because one of you has a tan and one doesn't. So all of that stuff happened. And I actually got worked up to the point of tears because I was scared they were going to take it from me. Wow. Yeah, it was it was that big for me. Yeah. Well, it was a good thing the match did go on as planned. And once the match was underway, Danielle Tell me how you were feeling, because I know, uh, did you have that sense of, well, this is really happening? And I, and I also know you had concerns before that Sasha was going to kill herself, because, as we all know, she's willing to lay her body out on the line in a major way yes. to entertain the crowd. Her her, her, her tiny, tiny body. Um, When they did the spot, obviously she looked dead, but, like, Sasha, it's hard with her, because, like, she sells like she's dying. Like, every time she sells, she looks like she's dead. Yeah, she always looks dead. And so, like... When they put her on the stretcher, though, honestly, my first thought, um, I wasn't worried that the match was going to end because I know that there's nothing that, like, WWE, and I've talked about it before, they love nothing more than, like, their own history. So I kind of felt like this was going to be, like, you know, a tribute as close as they could get to kind of that, like, historic, um, you know, McFoley match wherein, you know... And, and do that thing where it kind of uh, kind of echoes each other, since obviously they were not going to get on the top of the cage. Having Sasha get put through the table, and then us thinking that she wasn't going to make it, and then getting off the stretcher and fighting. I think we talked about that last week. How I was like, that's the thing that like Shane McMahon doesn't get, and that a lot of these guys don't get. What it is? It's not just about the falling through a table. It's about the getting up and continuing to fight. So I kind of knew that that was going to happen, if only because like. They are so up their own ass about their own fake history that they wrote that, like, <laughs> that, that like I knew that it was going to be one of those things where they were just going to like use that as kind of a tease. Um, and also, partially, uh, I think that they did it specifically to fuck with me. Um, <laughs> like, what? Here's this I thing love Danielle it. loves. How do we freak her out the most about it? Yeah, I love hearing <laughs> that. Like, you loved Sasha so much and, like, you wanted her to live. Whereas I was looking at this like a soldier in a very long battle because I was like, Sasha, I love you, but I need you to die inside the cell for our daughters. (laughs) (laughs) And one day we will hoist the flag and it will be Sasha Banks Day. Yeah, Yeah, I was just like, Sasha Banks, you are the Mockingjay. If you are going to die, I need you to do it on camera for the people. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's. Uh, so Sasha had plenty of opportunities to die within the match, and it, it sounds like all of us were were very pleased with it. I mean, I I thought it was match of the night for sure, easily. Um, but you know, uh, M- Mira, people yeah. were also uh, they were saying that because the tables didn't break when the wrestlers, i.e., Sasha, got slammed uh, into into them, and and since Charlotte won the title, this match somehow failed to live up to expectations. So we're saying that that. A table's not breaking, and the heel coming out mm-hmm. with the title th- somehow led to this match not living up to its expectations. So, do you oh, think boy. that this match is being unfairly scrutinized by a segment of the audience? I feel like I know the answer. Go ahead. I, I absolutely do. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, yeah. everybody who loves wrestling has fun hollering botch. Botch is a great thing to scream. Uh, my friends and I scream it in our house. <laughs> if someone, like, drops a fork, we yell botch. It's a very, like, culturally <laughs> appropriate thing when you're a wrestling fan. But it's not yeah. when a woman botches. It's not like that athlete made a mistake, but they're so great and I'm having a good time. When a woman does, it's like, oh, they can't wrestle. Look at it. That's the proof. And I felt like it was definitely that way with this match. It's being so heavily scrutinized. I don't understand how, like... Sasha Banks being willing to throw her entire body into a non-moving piece of wood more than once made the match lesser. For me, that made it more brutal. That, you know, that spot kind of came after crying. Charlotte was like, you will respect me. I thought this was some of the best storytelling that we ever had. I feel like the table was in on it. The table was like, this story is legit. (laughs) Rule of three. I'm going to build this drama. I I thought it was fantastic. And as far as you know, Charlotte winning, a lot of people like, well, the win doesn't count because, you know, Sasha was in her hometown and she didn't win and Charlotte always wins and I don't like her. Number one, you're not supposed to. I mean, Charlotte's doing a great job. I don't know why you don't know this smart who has always watched wrestling and thinks they know everything. That means she's winning. She's the bad guy. But number two, if we're not counting matches because the bad guy wins in someone's hometown, uh, I have never heard anyone not count Montreal, where they cut my father's head off at Baylor to go Game of Thrones about how it makes me feel, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and also no one wins in their hometown. Yeah. And also every single match with women, the, the next thing, the only thing you hear about is botch this, botch that, blah, 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 botch, 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 botch. And it's like, unless it's a big, huge one for dudes, you don't hear it. But they botch like, you know, they botch like d- twice a match. Everyone does. That's Everyone what, botches. Because hard. We're, I mean, you know, we're looking at like what we're watching is like a soap opera featuring stuntmen where the stunts aren't planned. They don't have more than one take. So botches are going to happen, which for me has always made me love wrestling more. I love the idea that it's these people trying to pull off these crazy spots and you've always got the element of another human being. And I don't know if it's because I kind of have a theater background, but I love seeing a spot where two people went for something different and then it just gets weird and they have to play it off. I think that's part of what makes wrestling magic for me because I'm like, you guys both failed and now you're just got to roll with it. And I love that. I, I find that actually very endearing. And it usually makes me love wrestlers more. Well, and you but you bring up a good point also, Mira, which is that the the women's division, any any two women's wrestler uh, wrestlers who are in the ring are representing the entire division at any given time. And the division, for some reason, in the eyes of some people is only as good as the last thing they did wrong. So one mistake can can sour somebody all of a sudden to or turn them off from from women's wrestling. So, Danielle, let's talk about the one guy that we never want to get turned off from women's wrestling, Vincent K. McMahon. (laughs) When those tables did not break, did you have any feeling in the pit of your stomach that he was sitting backstage going, well, goddamn, pal, we can't have the women in the main event if they can't break a table. 
I um, I look. I said this on Twitter. We've been knowing there's not enough Sasha to break a table. Like that's <laughs> we. It was known, and like they had to. You know, the announce tables are made of like foam and string. And so, of course, she was going to go through the announce table. But with the other table, like, yeah, it's not going to like you, you know, th- there's a way to. And I, I I don't know if they had a chance to practice before the table. I just I I definitely feel like Vince might feel like, well, if I can't get them to break a table, they can't main event, even though most main events don't involve tables anymore because it's not fucking I'm not in high school. So right. we don't we don't necessarily do that all the time now. Um, but I mean, on the other hand, he has to die sometime. And so, and, and I don't, I'm not saying I, yeah, I mean, (laughs) no, he for sure will have his head put somewhere in Titan Towers, uh, cryogenically frozen, much like Walt Disney, but like, (laughs) I don't want him to die. I just want him, uh, I just I'm looking forward to the day when uh, everything is ran by uh, Trips and Steph Steph. And then I no longer have to worry if something small like that is going to affect an entire gender's worth of progress. Real. (laughs) You know, I know, Danielle, if if you ever want to get together, Danielle, and we could just both take turns, uh, we could have all of the men who criticize the fact that Sasha's tiny body didn't go through a table. We could line them up, and you and I together could try to throw them through a solid table. If you're ever interested, yeah. I'm totally ready. And see I'm the, and see how well they do. Well, I don't yeah. have a back anymore um, because I lost a match against a bus. But <laughs> <laughs> I, will gladly, um, I will gladly manage that spot. Yeah. Do you go over Yeah, I will Paul Heyman you through. <laughs> Um, putting them dudes through tables. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> I'll be your Huckleberry. Oh, and I'll be hiding it in my house. Um, Mira, I'm gonna, I want to give you uh, the last word. Okay. So uh, the match was definitely well received by the crowd in the arena, and I'd read some reports saying the crowd seemed kind of dead. They sure didn't. Yeah. What, I don't know who had the the sound turned down on their television, but whoever you are writing that article, shame on you and your face and your ears. Indeed. Um, <laughs> so the match was well received by the crowd in the arena. So the hope is that this was not just a one-off experience. This idea of women may, truly main eventing a show, putting them in in the same gimmick matches that you would put two men in and doing it confidently. So what is your hope based on on how everything went on Sunday? What is your hope for the future of the women's division? My hope for the future of the women's division is now that we've taken this huge step forward, I I want the fan base, and I also want to feel like, you know, Vince McMahon and producer Kevin Dunn, all of the old school people who are in a high position, I want to feel like they're supporting all of the women. Because, you know, I love Sasha and I love Charlotte. I love the four horsewomen more than anything. But what we've mainly seen in this resolution, even though we've now taken this huge step, is that they're only really willing to push the four people that, you know, the main vocal smart audience of, you know, angry white dudes is willing to accept. So now that we've True taken story. this step, I want it to be just like the men's division. You know what? I want you to push um I want you to push Summer Ray as hard as you pushed Roman Reigns because they're in the same position. They're both a little green on the mic, but I think they've got great talent and at the end of the day, what's best for business to go there is not always what makes the most vocal part of the crowd happy. You think Summer Rae is best for business? Is that what you're going off on? Yes, this was all a ruse for me. I am Summer Rae's mom, and I'm very proud of her. Um, well, thank you, Mary Rae. Um, 
know, every lady. I want I want every lady to have to have as much exposure and to also have as brutal of a feud as we saw them have. There was more storytelling in that one match than I think I've seen in all of the women's matches leading up to a pay-per-view. And I'm even including the Bella storyline, which actually got, you know, a lot of camera time. The storytelling that we got in Hell in a Cell where eyelashes were falling off, people were snatching, you know, wigs off, people were crying and screaming at each other. I want every single women's feud, no matter if it's just about the title or if it's about a personal thing, I want every one of those to have that kind of feeling to the story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no doubt we'll all keep watching and hoping that the future does not involve a pudding match. <laughs> Mira Waters is a writer for Fight Booth. We'll have a link to her article about the Sasha Charlotte main event on our show page at MaximumFun.org. Mira, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. After a break, we're going to be sharing our three recommendations from the world of wrestling. You're listening to Tights and Fights. Do you live in the fictional city of Chicago? Do you love amazing podcasts like Max Fun's own Lady to Lady, Minority Corner, and Bullseye? Do you enjoy insightful interviews with talented actors and comedians like Dwayne Kennedy and Andre Royo? Don't miss your chance to be part of podcast history by attending the first ever Chicago Podcast Festival. Lady to Lady and Bullseye take the stage on November 17th, and Minority Corner performs on November 18th. Tickets are on sale right now. Visit MaximumFun.org for more information and to grab your ticket today. Right now. Ties and Fights Podcast. Ties and Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and with me in the booth are... Danielle Radford. And live from New York, it's... Michael Eagle! Michael Eagle! <laughs> it's time for the three count! <laughs> That's lovely. Oh, that was a great surprise. I love that. This is what where we should. <laughs> We're getting, this is like becoming, I love sound effects. I know, I want more. Clearly, we need more sound effects. Can we get a fart noise? Oh, do you know that there's an unofficial theme song for this segment? Julian, can you play it real quick? Is that the R&B music? Yeah. <laughs> yes. This oh, is the yeah. three count. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're sharing three things from the world of wrestling that we thought. Deserve your attention. <laughs> Danielle, kick us off. <laughs> okay, okay. So, like, this is, I'm so sad that Mike is in New York for this and I can't, like, see his face because I'm going to talk about Lucha Underground. And again, like, so y'all know that we taped this. Um, I, so, we taped this on Wednesday before Lucha. So, you guys always know I'm like a week behind. I'm sorry. I love you. Um, <laughs> so, on Lucha Underground, there's this dude named Tejano who's like this big Latin dude with a whip and this dude named Cage who's like a big white dude who doesn't have a whip and right now they're fighting for like a uh, they're fighting a best of five series and the like the prize is going to be something called the ultimate opportunity and oh. no one knows what that is. <laughs> they're oh, just God. fighting. Yeah, they're fighting and no one knows what the ultimate opportunity is. Um, and so last night was the match three um, of the five and so Dario Cuerto has been meeting um, over the course of the season with Lorenzo Lamas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
and and Lorenzo Lamas has been meeting with like some dude in a limo and we don't know who he is some like mysterious dude so this oh week God. Dario Cuerto gets into the limo with like this mysterious person and he gets a box right and so what we find out is that the plan is that whoever wins the best of five of this thing to get the ultimate opportunity inside the box is the soul of a god. Have you chosen the next host body? I have two in mind. Either one is perfect. They're both big, strong, almost godlike themselves. Well then, one will be more than almost godlike. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inside the box is a soul of a god, and it like every time he opens it up, it glows like Pulp Fiction. Oh God! Wow. And so whoever wins the best of five, they're going to put the soul of the god into their body because they've proven that they are tough enough to be able to withstand it. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, <laughs> now I have I have some very technical questions for you here, though. For real, like, has anything like this ever happened before on Lucha Underground? Like, um, well, where a soul they, was put into somebody's body or something like that. Yeah. No, no souls have been put into bodies. There is someone who is technically kind of technically deaf. Um, okay. And she teleports. And her name is Katrina. She teleports. She teleports. Okay. 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 Let me ask you this. If the soul gets put into a person, do you think they'll become a different character or something like that? Is that what I would happen? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Gosh. If their if their soul gets corrupted and they become like and they turn heel or I don't know. I'm not sure what happens. I mean, what how Danielle, you and I are in this booth together. How would you describe the look on my face when you were telling me all that? Um, incredulous. <laughs> I think I wouldn't describe it as incredulous. He just kind of like it's like that thing where you're staring into the sun or like you're you're like <laughs> Like if you're driving and the sun hits and you're like, I know there's something that's happening, but I can't see it. So he's like trying to concentrate <laughs> and then also hold in a fart. <laughs> well, I'm always holding in a fart. That's my Meryl Streep secret. <laughs> Thank Mike, you for holding it in over? all the time. Yeah, always. <laughs> I'm putting over, I'm putting over Al Spector. <laughs> the whole tight force all these weeks. So love a farts, so love a farts. <laughs> We have taken a hard left turn, folks. Um, <laughs> I am the uh, I'm the wrestling podcast master, and uh, I want to put everyone onto another wrestling podcast that I found that is awesome. And I just found it because it just started. Um, that is, it's called Killing the Town. Yes, and it's hosted by Lance Storm and uh, and Cyrus or Don Callis or the Jackal. I forget how he's billed or how people know him, but from ECW, WCW, WWF, he's everywhere. But um, there are a couple old, you know, Canada guys. You know, we all know Lance Storm's history in the business. Um, the Jackals, I think, is kind of understated because, you know, they tell all these stories of all these tours they've done and all these companies they work for. Apparently, he was a booker a lot of places, too. Uh, they do a lot of breaking down the current product, and they do a lot of telling old stories about uh, touring through the wilderness in Canada, and they actually do a thing called Killing the Town, which is hilarious. And you should hear it just for that definition. Podcast Killing the Town, which comes from an actual show that we worked on, another uh, ridiculous, horrible 
terrible trip, which in hindsight, when you look back, produces great stories. And that's the infamous death tours that I think most people have heard of. And you and I did death tour in 95, which is a tour of the northern First Nations communities in Manitoba that you have to do in February because you have to wait for the lakes to freeze over because there's not actually roads to these towns. How many of those oh, I, it's really, really good. The, I, I, I don't know if you turned – somebody turned me on to when Don Callis slash Cyrus slash Jackal was on Talk is Jericho, which I guess was the soft launch – like, hey, he's getting a show yeah. with Lance Storm. Mm. That was that is such a good episode, and because of that, I got into killing the town. So for once, I'm in sync with Mike, and I right. I oh. came to it probably an episode or two later. I think they're like this is episode three that just came out this week. Yeah, they, they, yeah, it's only only three have been done so far. Oh, yeah, you, you guys are syncing. We are. It's finally happening. <laughs> well, I can't it's now like our because cycles, of him. Our, it's like what? our cycles are in, in sync, our menstrual mm-hmm. cycles. Yeah, it's your finally moon, happening. Your podcast moon cycle. <laughs> every, every Friday, <laughs> the moon rises because uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard is out, <laughs> and I know my life can continue. All right, yep. I, I'm, I was torn between, first of all, neither of the things I was going to put over were uh, Jericho-related. What? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but in honor of Talking Smack soon losing its place... Uh, on Tuesday nights, uh, I want to I want to put over something from Talking Smack, which is D- Dean Ambrose returning once again for an interview and creating a new uh, theme song <laughs> for SmackDown and and uh, Talking Smack and SmackDown Live or whatever. Uh, and here he oh, is God, singing this, it. This is and so I, he, good. This yeah, so good. I, well, I'll, we'll bring it down afterwards. Here it is. Shake thing. Smackdown. Okay. Smackdown theme song. Smackdown. <laughs> Smackdown. This is the theme song. Here we go. So we're just saying the Smackdown theme song. <laughs> I can't it just keeps going. Start, like, dancing on this show. I don't know the words, but it's catchy. Now, if you have any sort of musical ear ability, you know that what Dean Ambrose is doing is putting his own words to the Smackdown theme. He's going, Smackdown. We're not in a man. We're doing SmackDown. Daniel Bryan does not have any music, so he just starts like yeah. he's like the tone deaf uncle who's like, "I know this song too." <laughs> Sweet Caroline, it's a song we're singing. I don't know what we're doing. Can I be part of the group? Um, I would say if I was going to do a SmackDown theme song, it probably sounds something like this. That's probably what it would be. That's probably what I would think. But anyway, that's just me, the <laughs> musical genius that I am. That does it for this week on Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week, our hosts were Daniel Radford and Mike Eagle, along with me, Hal Loveland. We had a full compliment. Our producer and occasional voice from the outside is Julian Burrell. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music as well, so we're putting him over for that and for all time. Special thanks to Mira Waters for joining us for our main event. Remember to tell all your fellow Marks about the podcast and give us a kind review on iTunes, wouldn't you? Listeners joining us on social media pages keep growing every week. And if you want in on the fun, it's so easy. You just head to Facebook.com slash group slash Tights Fights and at Tights Fights on Twitter. As Jim Ross will tell you, cost you nothing. Cost you nothing. 100% free. And we'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener.